Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my email newsletter via the Kaka, which is a substack. And it's paid for by subscribers who support the work I do covering housing unaffordability, climate change in action and child poverty reduction. Today I wanted to focus on something that is evident when you look at it, but isn't stated publicly in New Zealand. It's the 30-30 mantra. And it's driving so much of the dysfunction and the various crises that are now breaking over New Zealand's health system and our labour market. The 30-30 mantra is a set of rules, fiscal rules, effectively agreed to across the public service and in local government and across the political scene for nearly 30 years. It started out with the 1989 Public Finance Act and the rules that government debt should not be much higher than 30% of GDP in the long run and that taxes and spending shouldn't be much higher than 30% in the long run are not actually stated in the Act, but this has become the practice that everyone refers to behind the scenes. And it's the reason why our public services have been starved of investment, in particular the health system, but also education and public transport over the last 30 years or so. Because in effect, it biases the government, and I'm talking here both central and local government, to not invest in underlying infrastructure, particularly when you have a growing population. And that growing population is an important part of the strategy that New Zealand's economy and government have run with over the last 30 years. Let me explain. So we currently have an income tax GST collection system, which effectively means about 30% of the country's income is collected as tax and then spent by the government. The government can't really run long-term deficits that are really big because if it did that, it would build up its debt higher than around about 30% of GDP. For a long time, the public, uh, publicly stated debt limit or ceiling was actually around 20% of GDP but it's recently been redefined and changed a bit to meet international standards, and effectively it's around about the same level, currently about 30% of GDP for core crown debt. And this is important because it flows through to all levels of government, not just central government, but local government. And a good example of that is what we see today in the Dominion Post, a report of effectively a, an incoming briefing to councillors from the uh, council's CEO and CFO. It essentially tells councillors that they have only certain things that they can possibly talk about with voters, and most of them involve asset sales. Now you may think, hang on a minute, these uh, council officials can't tell councillors what they can talk about with voters. Well, actually, they can because of the 30-30 rule. Let me explain. So the, uh, the councils 
really only have a few revenue-raising tools. They are rates and various fees for um, user-pay services, such as libraries, rubbish dumps, and, of course, parking fees. And they don't collect a share of GST, and they don't get a share of centrally collected income taxes. Now, you may think, well, of course they don't. Well, actually, in other places, often uh, councils, local governments, do get a share of income and GST. And the best example of that is Australia. Also, local governments can, in other places, raise income from other things other than rates. For example, in Australia, they collect stamp duties, which are effectively a tax on uh, property transactions, and some of them are also designing their own land taxes. This is in, in addition to any sort of what you call council rates. And this means that councils cannot easily increase their revenues to deal with any sort of underlying spending needs, particularly infrastructure spending. Now, Wellington, as we know, has massive problems with its water quality and with its housing supply. Now, this is partly because of significant population growth over the last 20 or 30 years, and we'll get back to that in a second, but also because there's been systematic underinvestment in water infrastructure, not just in Wellington, but up and down the country. In fact, a recent a report on how much councils spent on their underlying water infrastructure and other public infrastructures shows that they put aside a certain amount over the last 20 or 30 years in what's called depreciation. And in effect, they should have been spending as much on investment as they put aside in depreciation in their accounts. But the uh, report found uh, the uh, spending on capital relative to depreciation was more like 60% than the 100% it should have been. In effect, councils have systematically over 20 or 30 years skimped on infrastructure investment, in part because they haven't got other tools to raise revenue and because they are not allowed to increase their debt much beyond around 280 to 300% of revenue. So let's say three, three times revenues. Now, for example, if you were borrowing to buy a house and you were limited to borrowing no more than three times your revenues, uh, you couldn't buy that house. And you may ask, well, so why can't the councils borrow more than three times revenues? And that's a really good question. But uh, the problem is the councils, most of them now, are signed up to a thing called the Local Government Funding Agency. Now, this is a centralised bond issuance platform. It means, for example, that small councils, who normally wouldn't have access to bond markets to lend, to, to borrow from uh, institutional investors and banks, can do it through this centralised service, which effectively means their interest rates are a slightly bit lower and uh, they have better access to a more liquid market, which is all good. The thing is, though, the local government funding agency is run by Treasury. And that's because the bonds issued by the local government funding agency are, in effect, guaranteed by the central government. There is, in effect, a crown guarantee. And that means that the credit ratings that the councils have are now, by necessity, directly connected to the government, the central government's, sovereign credit rating. So that means when councils want to borrow heavily, in effect, they have to ask permission from the central government. And 
in, in, in the end, they don't actually bother to ask permission because they know the rules are you can't borrow more than three times your revenue. Actually, most councils are nowhere near those debt limits, including the Wellington Council. But Auckland definitely is, and that's because it's the fastest growing and largest city and therefore has to spend the most on new infrastructure to deal with population growth. So let's talk about population growth because it's a key part of the equation and it's one of the reasons we're now seeing this long-running model for running our economy and society hit various, I wouldn't call them speed bumps, it's more of a crisis situation in many of our public services and in our economy. For example, just this morning, uh, a survey of 900 women doctors found that they believed the health system was on the verge of catastrophic collapse because of worker shortages and because of ongoing underlying restrictions on investment in staffing, facilities, training, technology, infrastructure. So all of the things you need to make hospitals and health systems work. And we heard last night that St John's Ambulance is also on the verge of collapse. It talks about multiple occasions where people are waiting hours and hours to be picked up and that it acknowledges people are dying waiting for ambulances to pick them up. That's partly because of staffing shortages and partly because of a lack of investment in new ambulances. Now you may say, well, hang on a minute, what's that got to do with this 30-30 rule? Well, the 30-30 rule effectively means that to provide the public services that we have, a publicly funded health system, a publicly funded education, you need to have taxes to pay for that. And if you don't have ongoing taxes year by year, then you need to borrow money to do that. The 30-30 rule means you can't effectively have taxes more than 30% of GDP, and you therefore can't have public services much larger than 30% of GDP because you can't run deficits for any substantial period which would build up your public debt beyond 30% of GDP. And that effectively is the 30-30 mantra that governs public life and our economy in New Zealand. Now you may say, well, hang on a minute, how come this hasn't been exposed before? Why is it, uh, how, come, how come that our economy has kept on running perfectly fine until now? Look, we've got 3.2% unemployment. Our GDP has continued to grow. Uh, look, our house prices are the highest in the world. Isn't that a good thing? And we've had plenty of population growth. We've had lots of people choosing to come here. Well, all of those things are true. But when you look at our effective model for running our economy, it is a low-wage, high house price and high rent economy. And it's enabled by having low interest rates, no tax on capital gains or on wealth, and by an ongoing stream of relatively cheap temporary guest workers coming in to provide the low-wage services that keep the whole thing going. And that's because so many young New Zealanders find themselves locked out of a future, out of housing, and see better opportunities for better wages and a better lifestyle in Australia, the London, wherever it is. 
And that's because unless you are part of a family that has lots of houses and housing equity, it's now impossible to get in in any reasonable amount of time, particularly if you've got student loans and a job which is anywhere near you know, the median income. And that's because incomes are relatively low and house prices are the most expensive in the world and rents are the most expensive in the world relative to incomes. Now, all of this is sustainable as long as you do a couple of things to keep the whole thing going. That is, A, you need a constant flow, a large number of between 50 and 100,000 temporary guest workers coming in every year. They can be backpackers, they can be people on school work visas, uh, and uh, that helps offset the constant drain of young, skilled, often New Zealand-born, but sometimes newly resident New Zealanders who are going overseas because they realise the current model doesn't work for them unless they own lots of property. And uh, that can keep going as long as you have no disruptions to the migration flow coming in and as long as interest rates keep falling because you have low inflation and you have low public debt. Remember, if you had high public debt, interest rates would be higher than they otherwise would be now. So your underlying model must, must have low taxes, no taxes on capital gains or wealth, and restrained public debt. Otherwise, your interest rates are high and they stop falling. And remember, you need falling interest rates and, and a suppression of housing supply to keep house prices rising. Why do you need house prices to keep rising? Because with low wages, you have to um, save for your retirement um, by buying property and continuing to leverage it up and ensure it's tax-free so that you can retire with a decent income and a decent asset. It's fine for those people who own property. If they don't, then they look for opportunities overseas. Now, this model wasn't clear because we couldn't really see it. The tide wasn't out. Well, the tide just went out, and not in a normal way. It's a bit like an undersea earthquake. COVID was in effect an undersea earthquake. And what we're seeing now is the tide, the sea, going back out in the way it does before a tsunami. And suddenly we see all the ugly things sitting on the seabed that we didn't realise were there before. And they are a systematically underfunded healthcare and education system, widening inequality and high levels of child poverty, which are in effect being replicated because of this poorly funded education and healthcare system and because of relatively low wages and high housing costs, particularly for those who don't own homes. The tide went out and these twin crises of a healthcare system in deep trouble to the point of catastrophic collapse, massive labour shortages, which are now pushing up wages, that is exposing the problem. We have of an economy and a society governed by the 30-30 mantra, which systematically starves the future of investment, particularly when you have high population growth, which is, again, the only way, along with uh, allowing young New Zealanders to leave and uh, continually rising house prices, they are, in effect, the uh, escape valves 
to take pressure out of the system. And when those escape valves are turned off, as they have been by COVID and by rising interest rates and falling house prices, the underlying weakness of our system has just been exposed. When the tide goes out, you can see who's swimming naked. Aotearoa New Zealand has just been exposed for swimming naked. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my uh, morning chorus, a part a daily podcast that I put out every day with my email newsletter via the Kaka, which is a Substack. You can see more detail and some charts and links uh, to back up this this commentary of mine uh, in the daily email today. Remember, thank you very much to paid subscribers who've made this work I do possible, reporting on, analysing, challenging and commenting on the New Zealand political economy, again, with housing affordability, climate change in action and child poverty reduction as the focus of my work. Thank you and ka kite anō.